to you I won't be overwhelmed Give me vision To see things like you do God, I look to you You're where my help comes from Give me wisdom You know just what to do Forever all my days I 
For some people, this is the worst time because you're, you're maybe you're introverted. And you're like, oh my gosh, just please, not, not just everybody, just look away. Just you know, just leave me. I'm I'm here. You don't have to say. I, so I have an introvert introvert joke for you. Okay. How much does the average introvert weigh? Not quite enough to break the ice. Ah, yeah. So if you're an introvert today, I'm telling you, find somebody and just welcome them here. And if you're more gregarious, and you know, do that too. But let's take some time and just enjoy uh, each other in God's presence today. God bless you. All right. Well, hey, it is so good to see each one of you here today. I am so glad that you are enjoying each other's company. I'll bet you even some introverts got up and welcomed somebody today. And uh, we're just glad each one of you are here. If you are a guest with us today, we have these Connect cards. We would greatly appreciate it. If, uh, if you would complete these, fill these out, and return them to our uh, guest services center in the lobby. Now, I understand I, I've been speaking incorrectly. We don't give you a gift. We give you gifts with multiple gifts. So you'll get multiple gifts when you go back there. And, uh, you know, fill out two. Maybe they'll give you double gifts. I don't know. If we can get your card, that would be fantastic. But we appreciate you being our guest today and uh, look forward to being able to connect with you in that way. Ushers, if you would come. We're going to participate in, in really one of the most meaningful parts of worship that we have. And if you've, if you've ever um, experienced giving and sacrificial giving in your life, you know how powerful that is for you as a, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to pray today and uh, bless this time. Lord, thank you. We, we can't thank you enough for the privilege, the honor of being able to worship you in this way. I pray that you would speak uh, powerfully to our lives through it. And that it would be used again to build and further your kingdom, not only here, but around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
worship team, thanks for your ministry to us this morning. We really appreciate that. Hey, a few announcements. If you came in this morning, you got one of our bulletins. Just to let you know, uh, just as a reminder, I know it's on the paper, but the, the reality is most people do not read it, so that's why we're reading it out here. Wednesday night Bible study, Gaining and Maintaining Financial Stability Balanced is our series. Come on out to that if you have not already. It's not too late to jump in. You'll find something useful and helpful. And of course, that's Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, Praise Youth, we've got our deposit, or not our deposit, our balance for youth retreat. We're going to be leaving this coming Friday, and we'll be on Saturday, and we won't be here Sunday morning. Get back about 2.30-ish or so on Sunday. Uh, but it's our, our first ever uh, youth retreat, just our youth ministry. There's about 40 of us going up to um, uh, the conference center. We're going to be doing some great stuff. It's going to be a powerful weekend. But that balance is due today. Uh, if you don't have that money today, just please come see me. Shoot me a text, email. Let me know what's going on. I appreciate that. That would be wonderful. Uh, we've got also, not this coming weekend, but the weekend, two, week, two weekends from yesterday, we've got the Lego Derby coming up. That's been a hit the past several years. I mean, Lego Derby's crushing it. And so, boys and girls, pre-K through 12th grade, come on out. You can register online. It's right there. I would even tell you, you could just jump on there right now and register. Just, don't, just get, get it done. Just get on your phone. Get your kids registered. That would be fantastic. We would really appreciate that. Also, volunteers for nursery. Uh, nursery is one of those forgotten ministries sometimes. It really is. And if you're a member here at Praise and you've had your background check or you want to be getting that done soon, they could really use your help in nursery. It's a powerful ministry. It's not just babysitting, but they minister to the kids back there. And so please see Lauren Nash, if you would. That would be a tremendous help. And if and it's, uh, what's that expression? Many hands make light work. And it really does. It's so true of that ministry. Please see that. And also a special note, make sure you're aware that our annual church business meeting will be February 26th following the morning service. That'll be coming up here before you know it. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Amen. Well, today we're going to do, um, do something we haven't done in a while, <laughs> and that is to welcome some new members into our assembly. And I really like it when we do this because this is something that is as old as the church itself. And by church, I mean New Testament church, the church that began 2,000 years ago. You see, something incredibly wonderful and exciting happened during a Pentecost celebration a little more than 2,000 years ago. And I think we're familiar with what happened that day. The Holy Spirit was given to a group of disciples who were praying and waiting in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And the Holy Spirit came upon them, filled them with power, and enabled them to speak in other languages. And something else miraculous took place that day, along with that event of the Holy Spirit's arrival and the power and infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that is the birth of the church. The church really began on that day. Pentecost signifies for us the advent of the church of Jesus Christ. And overnight, those 120 disciples multiplied into thousands of believers. And today, hundreds of millions worldwide and growing rapidly. In fact, I saw a statistic the other day. The estimate is that there are 800 million Pentecostals in the world. Not just Christians, but Pentecostal Christians. And then add to that, Christians, about 2 billion around the world. And so this morning, through the formality of church membership, we're going to be adding to our numbers those whose names have already been written into the book of life. And, and before we receive these new members, though, I, want, I want you to, well, if you have your tablet or or a smartphone with you. Acts chapter 2. I want to take a look at a few verses. You can just listen if you, have, if, you know, if you can't turn there quick enough. Maybe you have a paper Bible. Uh, today in Young Adults Life Group, we had someone with a paper Bible. And that's good. That's really good. But we're going to be reading about the birth of the church and its first members. This is Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And it says, When the people heard this, that means Peter's sermon, When they heard him speak to them, he said, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number, again, added to their number daily those who were being saved. And please understand that nothing like this had ever happened before in the history of mankind. Never in all history had something this momentous happened in our world. And yet the beauty of this is that it's continuing today. It didn't end there. It just continued to grow and to grow and to grow. And it's truly exciting to see what God is doing around the world today. You know, not just in our own local assembly, but around the world. The church of Jesus Christ is vigorously growing. There's one new assembly of God church opened every day in the United States still. There's one new church somewhere worldwide in our assembly of God fellowship every 20 minutes. Our fellowship in the United States is growing four times faster than the population in our country. Great things are happening in our day. And today we're welcoming several candidates into membership here at Praise Assembly. And I'd like for each of these candidates to come up front as I call their names. If you just line up here, Scott Ayers, Jay Haley, Heidi Fate, Jennifer Smith, Jessica Rivera, and Jose Torado, if you would just come and present yourselves. And I like the deacons that we have right here, guys. And the deacons, uh, if you would come, the deacons we have here today, if you'd come and stand behind them. Yeah, get a look at their faces first. <laughs> if you see them at the Wawa, you can wave. <laughs> Some are from Maryland, so you have to go to Royal Farms, I guess. But those are the landmarks around here. You can turn and face me now, guys. Thanks for doing that, though. Yeah. <laughs> Now, having, uh, Heidi Fate is not here today. She's feeling ill, but uh, remember to pray for her. Now, having met the requirements of the Constitution and Bylaws of Praise Assembly, I'm going to ask for each of you to confirm your desire for membership by responding to three very basic questions. First, do you promise by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, striving for the advancement of this church in holiness and in knowledge, promoting its prosperity, spirituality, sustaining its worship, doctrines, and discipline, and contributing cheerfully and regularly to the support and ministries and activities of this church? If so, please respond by saying, I do. I do. Do you promise also to maintain personal devotion, to seek the salvation of the lost, and to walk circumspectly in the world, avoiding the very appearance of evil? If so, say, I do. I do. Do you promise to watch over each other in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to be courteous and forgiving one to another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you? If so, then say, I do. I do. Okay. And based upon your confession this morning, we welcome you into the membership of Praise Assembly. And most, they've all been attending here a while, but this is just a formality. Uh, hopefully, make you, I want God to bless you, but hopefully to make you feel even more a part. Uh, but we do pray God's richest blessing on you for taking this step. We're gonna, I want to ask all of you to stand with me <clears throat> as we pray for these folks this morning. Just reach out your hand. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for each one and their desire to formally align and, and come into to membership with our local church. Lord, I do pray that you bless them for taking this step. Lord, I pray that you bless them. And, and I pray that they would not only feel as though they're recipients of love, but Lord, that they'd be willing to give love one to another as they pledged just a moment ago to truly walk in brotherly love one for another. Lord, able to forgive and able, to, able to, to grow together. Lord, I pray your blessing on each one this morning. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. And let me give you your membership certificates. Scott. Okay. Jay, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Jim. Alphabetical. Thank you. Welcome. Jessica, God bless you, Jose. Thank you. We're going to continue with our spiritual assessment messages. Remember, last week, last week was great, wasn't it? Royal Rangers and uh, three young men receiving 
their gold medal achievement. That was really just a fantastic weekend uh, with our national commander here, Carl Flake. Um, but now we want to get back into this series. And so I want to ask you to uh, take a look with me at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. As you know, it should be up there. And if not, again, use your uh, tablet or smartphone or Bible. Um, sounds so funny to have to say that after all these years. Uh, everybody turn in your Bibles. That used to be so simple. Now we've got to... Anyways. <clears throat> Hebrews 6, 1. And we're going to read just half the first half of the verse. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Father God, I pray, Lord, for your anointing, not only upon my lips or our heart, but Lord, upon each one of our hearts this morning to receive what you have for us. Lord, you show us how growing is something that does happen naturally. And yet there has to be some intentionality. There has to be some involvement for each one of us to grow beyond what just our natural bodies would do on their own. Lord, I pray, God, you're leading today as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, again, we're in this um, series called Spiritual Assessment. We've thus far looked at connecting. We've looked at worshiping. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the issue of growing, spiritual development. And I want you to be aware that growth is discipleship. We're talking about spiritual growth, Christian growth. We're talking about discipleship. At least it, it involves discipleship. In other words, for me, growth signifies moving beyond just a moment of decision, meaning that the moment when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, come into your heart, come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Okay, that was a moment in time. That was a starting place. That is not the conclusion. That's not the culmination. After that, there has to be a growth process. There has to be or should be some discipleship. In our lives. And yet I'm aware of two problems with Christian conversion conversion and then discipleship. And one is that too often we assist someone, maybe you prayed with someone, and you brought them to the point of receiving Christ as their Savior. And we and we leave them there. We we don't encourage them to go further in, in some type of discipleship with Christ. And, and just think about Jesus' disciples. Again, I'm, I'm glad that they're called in the New Testament disciples. But think about his disciples for a moment. You know, he didn't just walk up to them and tell them how to get to heaven and just leave them to themselves. He did not just encourage them to repent and be baptized by his cousin John and then send them on their way. Rather, he told them, he, he told them to pick up their cross and follow him. And Luke 9, 23 says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to be my follower, if anyone would be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so you see, this is more than just casting a ballot and walking away. This is more than just reciting a prayer and making a decision. And the disciples' response shows us that what is appropriate to becoming a disciple. And this is Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And what I want you to notice here is their level of commitment. This is more than just a decision. When we have witnessed to someone and they've received Christ, we need to take them into the next step, which is discipleship, so that they can grow. And discipleship can begin with teaching them how to pray daily. To regularly read their Bible. I mean, very basic, very elementary. To be part of a, a small Bible study group, like our life groups on Sunday mornings, or maybe Wednesday night Bible, Bible study. And, and, and then the second issue that I have with, with the church seeing many decisions, but fewer disciples, is that there are some Christians, definitely bound for heaven, I'm not making any judgments here about their eternal condition, but for them, Jesus is only their Savior and yet not their Lord. 
No, they know Jesus, but they kind of hold him at arm's length. And, and what I mean by this is that they're not, they're believing Jesus for eternal life. They pray, they've invited him into their, their life. They prayed for forgiveness of sin. Uh, they've appropriated the grace of God in their life, as Paul, the Apostle Paul once wrote. But they have yet to give Jesus full control of their lives. He's their Savior. He's their way to heaven. But he might not be their master. He may not be their Lord. And as a result, they never grow. They, they'll, they'll remain as immature babies in Christ. And the New Testament confirms this as a possible reality. And I want you to look at two separate references with me. One from the Apostle Paul, the other from the book of Hebrews. And the one from Paul is found in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. Listen to this. Paul writes, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. He's writing to the Corinthian Christians. And if you remember, they had a lot of problems in that church, a lot of carnality in that church. And you see, what it tells us is that some people choose to stunt their growth. They choose to remain worldly. They choose to remain as spiritual babes. And then the other passage is from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And these are very strong words. Hebrews 5.11 says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, let me ask you this, and don't raise your hand just in case, but has anyone here ever repeated fourth grade three times? That's what I'm saying. Don't raise your hand. It could happen. But imagine being held back in school, fourth grade, more than a few times. If that were a reality, you know that someone would have assessed that there was a problem, right? Right? You know, you stay back one year, hmm, it can happen. I'll, I'll never forget when I progressed from first grade to second grade. And I don't know if I should mention the name because this is recorded and put on YouTube. But I'll, I do remember the boy's name. And he was in second grade with us for about three days and then he went back to first grade. And I felt so bad for him. I mean, if I could just, I didn't know what tutoring was. I didn't know that we could be, maybe, I just, I really did. I just wished that he could be back with us and maybe I could help him somehow. What do you know in first grade? What do you know in second grade? But maybe, and, and um, yeah, he had to go back and I felt bad. But if that happened another year, if it happened three years in a row, don't you think a professional would be brought in to do some kind of assessment? I mean, obviously there's a problem here. Now, how about the Christian who's lived 10 or 20 years as a spiritual baby? Wouldn't that indicate that there's a problem? Wouldn't there be a need for some kind of assessment that something might be wrong? Because you see, I believe that growth is a natural part of life. Every organism grows and develops from a starting stage all the way through to maturity. And although we, 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 may all, you know, we, we may all grow differently, we do all still grow. Every healthy organism grows. In agriculture, there's a seed, and that seed needs good soil. It needs water. It needs an appropriate amount of, of sunshine. And, and the parable of the seed tells us what happens when it doesn't get that. You have the, the seed that was dropped along the pathway, quickly devoured by the birds. You have the, the seed that was dropped among the rocks. And of course, there was no soil, so it couldn't take root. You have the seed that's overcome by all the weeds. Jesus told us this. And because of the weeds, it, it gets smothered out, overcome. But the seed that finds good soil not only grows into a mature plant, it grows. Not only does it grow, but it yields more seed in order to bear more fruit. So consider this, not only should healthy things grow, but they should also be fruitful. Amen? And I hope you can see the application here as it pertains to, to the Christian. Let's look at John's gospel, the 15th chapter. I love this passage. I know you know it. John chapter 15, verse 1. 
I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain attached to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be given to you. And this is to my Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's to my Father's glory that you would bear fruit, showing, proving, demonstrating that you're my disciples. You know, that is the perfect summary, verse 8, of what should take place in our lives. That really is, I mean, that's just, that, that ought to just be our verse as believers. It tells us what could happen. It tells us what should happen. What's needed in order for fruitfulness to be a reality in our lives. Because the only other possibility is barrenness. If we do not bear fruit, and as it was described in these verses, if we wither and die, if we're separated from the vine, the only other possibility is to be burned up, consumed, turned to ash, dead wood. But if we're fruitful, we bring glory to God and we prove that we're his disciples. And, and the one thing that makes all the difference to see here is our connectedness to the Lord. That was repeated over and over in those eight verses. If a branch is separated, severed from the vine, it's going to die. We know that. And yet I wonder why some Christians live that way. They don't, they don't aim, they don't strive for a real close and firm connection with the vine. And Jesus started out this passage, I am the vine. I am the vine. We've got to want to be connected to him. If we're connected, we're going to thrive. And beyond thriving, we're going to bear fruit. And again, that is our purpose in God, that we bear fruit. You know, those of you who have attended here for a while, you know that I have in the past shared with you how I struggle with two fig trees that I have in my yard. And uh, I love fresh figs, not dried figs. Okay, do you hear me? Not dried figs. So next week, nobody bring me a gift of dried figs, okay? <laughs> I like, don't bring me any fresh figs either. No, I, I, say, I, gotta, I can throw this out. Costco every now and then will have fresh figs. But if you don't eat those 24 fresh figs within 24 hours, they're not good. And really, it's a challenge. I, I've got to find, you know, at least six friends who all enjoy figs or they're going to go bad. But anyways, the best way is when I walk out of my backyard and I pick a fig off and just eat it. I don't wash it. I just eat it. Just enjoy it. And for many years, I've gotten at best about a dozen figs from one tree and a handful from the other. And, I, and I've tried all the things that Jesus did. I've cursed those trees at times. I said curse, not cussed. I cursed. I got so mad. Uh, even chopped them down just right above the roots. I don't care if they, if they live. God bless them. If they don't, too bad. A lot of frustration over those two, those two trees. But you know what? In the past couple of years, last summer especially, they have made me really happy. It's, it's crazy to think that anyone would care about this. But I had figs on a daily basis. Before heading to the office, I'd go out there and just grab a couple. And I'd see like maybe four or five more in each tree. And I knew I'd get those in the afternoon. Every day I'd pick what I wanted. And um, do I have a picture? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can see them hanging there. Those green things among those big leaves. Man, I'll tell you, they're so good when they're fresh. I was ecstatic. What a year for figs. Just enough. Actually, one year, a number of years ago, one year, there's so many, my wife started baking with them. I mean, you know, all kinds of, and you got burned out on figs. And, uh, and in fact, that year, Kim, my trees were coming in. Kim Schuler gave me a bunch too. I said, what do I do with these? I got more than enough. She's got more than enough. So don't ever worry about me, okay? <laughs> Just too many figs. They almost became like the zucchinis, if you remember the zucchini story. But no, I mean, just great. That's what, that's, what, I just love them. So they became fruitful and I didn't really do anything different. I mean, I, I checked with buddies about how you fertilize them, how you do this and cut them back. And all I know is they better do good this year too. That's all I know. 
But I know this, I was really happy. I'm telling you, I was really just a little thing. I was so happy about it. And then I started thinking, you know what? God also gets glad when we bear fruit. He really does. Luke 15 verse 10 says that there's great rejoicing in heaven when even one sinner repents. I mean, God, the angelic hosts go crazy when someone becomes born again and gets saved. Another analogy I thought about was how excited we were when my wife gave birth to our firstborn child. We were crazy in love with that little six-pound, six-ounce miracle from God, and, and then we were fruitful two more times after that. But here's the real thrill. The fruit that we bore, 27 or 28 years later, bore more fruit. I'm talking about our first grandchild. Fruit upon fruit. And then a second one, a little while later. And then, now we have seven of them. And here's the latest. I mean, that's just, that's just too cute. I mean, grandkids beat children by a mile. I mean, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Fruit upon fruit. Wait, are you going to leave that up? She's just so cute. And right before church, there were some others posted her. She's just so cute. I mean, I know your grandkids are cute, but she is so cute. It's so cute. It's like, and what do you do? You know, they post a picture and you're supposed to put a comment. I just write cute. That's it. That's it. That's it. Nothing else in life is cute. Okay, you can take it down. Just, I don't want people to get too jaded. But no, fruit upon fruit. What a blessing. We discipled our fruit to adulthood. And it then matured. And now it too is bearing fruit. And the cycle begins again. And I don't mean just kids having kids. I mean have godly kids having godly kids. Raising them for the Lord. Because as we all know, a child needs the proper nurturing from infanthood. He or she needs to experience the care, the cleaning, the feeding of a parent. And then they also need spiritual guidance. It becomes the parent's responsibility to guide and instruct and teach that child through age-appropriate challenges. But, but more than just Little League or soccer, they need to be here. They need to be in nursery. They need to be in the toddler group. They need to be in junior kids church and, and kids church and Royal Rangers and girls ministries because they need to learn. They need to become, we need to get them to be disciples from the youngest age. You know, parental interaction teaches, teaches them language. How do you think they, they, that's how they learn the language that you speak. And they learn proper behavior by you. I mean, obviously, a lot more intentional effort goes into raising children when compared to putting a seed in the ground and watering it and taking care of it. You've got to be intentional raising that child in the temporal things of life. But we've got to be intentional about raising them in the spiritual aspects of life. Every Christian has to work for their spiritual development. It's not meant, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen without our participation, our cooperation. And the way that a believer participates in God's agenda for growth is by being in fellowship and taking part in the discipleship process of the local church body. I mean, that's why we do what we do in this church. That's, you know, that's why we have life groups. You know, our national headquarters doesn't say you need to have a Sunday school class. And No, we have these things. We do Wednesday night Bible study for you. Not because headquarters dictates it and we're supposed to because we're, we're pastors. We do it for you so you can grow, so you can learn. We do the kids' ministries. Again, rangers and girls' ministries. We do that for your children. So they have a place where they can be discipled at their age level. This is intentional. And if you forsake that, if, you, if you're not interested in that, I just wonder if maybe you're not going to grow to the degree that you should. That's why the church has constructed, or God has constructed the church the way that he did. And then, you know, Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says that it was he who gave some to the apostles. God has actually picked various positions and people to fill these positions. You'll see why in a moment. But it was he who gave some to the apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare, this is why, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up or matured until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. Remember we began today in 1 Corinthians? 
And in Hebrews, Christians who, they weren't ready for solid food yet. They're still, they're still nursing. They're still taking in milk. He says, then you'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. And my God, that's going on all around us all the time. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, this is God's prescribed formula whereby every Christian can become mature and productive and fruitful instead of remaining as, as babies, as infants and subject to deception. But imagine with me for a moment, what if you were suddenly to notice that your child's development was skewed in some way? Mentally, physically, psychologically, you'd become concerned at the, at the, at the least and, and you'd seek out a solution, wouldn't you? You wouldn't just let them suffer or, or get stuck at that level. And so just as we expect a certain level of growth in our child's development, there ought to be a certain level of growth in the spiritual life of everyone who's in Christ. Every one of us. I mean, just as in, and just as in life, there's no shortcuts to that process. There, there isn't anything magical about it. And, and here's what eventually takes place in the process. Guided discipline eventually should lead to self-discipline. Okay, in other words, those of you that are parents, you should be, dis you have to discipline your, your children so that they will become self-disciplined. There has to be a transition. If they never become self-disciplined, they're going to get in trouble with the law, with authorities. That's why we have to discipline them. We can't just let them run wild. We can't let them do just only what they want to do. We have to set some prayer. We have to teach them how to live. We have, it's in a sense, again, in a worldly way, some discipleship. But add to that the fact that they're being raised in your home, a Christian home, then there should be some spiritual discipleship. And, there, and for every one of us, there's some basic, simple disciplines. I want to give you five. And you know these. This isn't very profound. Five habits or disciplines that we all need. Number one, Bible reading. We need to read our Bible even just for a few minutes a day. I'm not going to get legalistic and say you've got to spend 30 minutes in the Word every day or an hour with God every day. I find that frustrates people. In fact, we had a Bible study last year that covered all that, how to interact with God and be really, really good at it. You know, just spend a few moments with Him. So reading the Word, secondly, is prayer. You kind of have to lump those together. But read the Bible on your own, not just what you hear here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, or maybe you attend a life group before worship service, and then prayer. Thirdly, connecting to a church family. You ought to have some connections here. We covered that in week one. Stewardship. Stewardship. Put your money where your heart is. Truth is, if you're giving to this local assembly, that means you're, you're committed here. We give to what we love. And number five, of course, is witnessing. That's the end result. That's the fruitfulness that comes out of all this, where we tell others about the great gift that we've received. There's nothing greater than salvation. Another way to look at this pathway, um, I've, I found there's a Christian author from way back, A.B. Bruce, and he, he wrote a book, The Training of the Twelve. And it defines, it divides these, this process into three simple categories. According to Bruce, this is how we grow as Christians. This is the pathway for Christian maturity. First, it begins with come and see. Come and see. And this is where we first become interested in Christ and receive him as Savior. You know, one of the, one of the first disciples went to his brother and said, come and see, I found the Lord. Come and see. That's where it begins, where we bring others to Christ. That's where it began for you. You came to Christ. The second step is come and follow me. And this is where training begins, what we call discipleship. So again, find a place, life group, Wednesday night Bible study. Um, you know, anything we've got going on here for you and for your children, that's discipleship. So come and see, come and follow. And then finally, the third step is come and be with me. And this is where disciples are released to begin their ministry, to replicate their faith in others by leading others to Christ. And that cycle is supposed to continue over and over and over again. And so today's topic is growth. And each one of us, we need to make a commitment to deciding that we're going to grow, 
that, that we're really not, we're not content where we are. One of the greatest enemies to the church at any time is, is not other religions. It isn't government persecution or oppression. The greatest enemy of the church is complacency. You know, so I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to be content. We are meant to grow. Not just the church growing numerically, but you as an individual, you're meant to grow. You're meant to grow deeper in your walk with God, deeper in your understanding of, of the word of God, deeper in relationships that are here. We're supposed to grow and be fruitful. And it's all John 15, verse 8. It's all for the glory of God. So I want us to stand where we are this morning, like the worship team to come back or maybe Micaiah, come to the keyboards and just play something for us. I want us to spend some time here at this altar. It's been a while since we've had that opportunity. But you know, just, just want to encourage you to come and, and do an assessment and ask God to do an assessment in your life. I mean, what, what do you need to really grow? What do you need to be really more effective as a Christian? Not, not just to know him as Savior, but to really know him as Lord. And we'll just spend a few moments in prayer this morning and just ask God to work in our hearts. So join me here this morning if you would. Let's come now and let's begin to seek him. Father God, I do. I pray, Lord, that we would be true disciples, not just converts, not, not, not just making a quick vote. Yes, I believe in Jesus and then doing our own thing. But Lord, that we would truly grow in you. God, that we would bear fruit for your glory. Lord, that you'd use us, that you'd, that you'd train us up through the various opportunities that are presented here weekly in this church. Lord God, how I pray that you'd move in our lives, Lord. Help us even to see the growth. And, and Lord, I, I know that God, sometimes as we're trying to move forward, there seem to be setbacks in our life. But Lord, that could be the pruning that we read about in your word in John chapter 15. That, that those who are growing, those who are alive and connected to the vine, they do go through some pruning. And that may represent the hard times. That may represent the challenges. But God, I know that as we go through those challenges and you carry us through, we become stronger in you. And we, we, we gain more faith because we realize how faithful you are, that you brought us through that Red Sea experience. That you brought us, even you were with us, never left us during that desert experience. We don't understand it, but we, we, we come to a point where we trust you in a way that we haven't trusted you before that event. And so, Lord, I pray for those who may be going through pruning right now. They, they don't understand why something's happening in their lives. But, God, you are there. And, and God, you are the, Lord, you're the, you're the husband who trims the vine and the branches. But, Lord, right now, whether no matter where we are, whether going through a difficult time or just totally blessed, I thank you that we are connected to the vine. Lord, we don't want to be that branch that withers and dies. Lord, we want to be producing. Lord, we want to be fruitful. God, I, I just pray you draw us closer. God, that you would just sovereignly by your spirit put a new hunger in us. A good kind of thirst in us that's going to make us want you. Just like in the Psalms, as the deer panteth for the water. Our soul yearns for you. Lord, that we wouldn't be infants. That, that five years down the road, we wouldn't still be where we are spiritually. That we wouldn't be spiritual infants. That we wouldn't be tossed back and forth by all kinds of philosophies of this world or even bad theologies in some churches. But Lord, that we become more mature. Lord, that we would become more like what you want us to be conformed into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. That's your goal for us. Lord, I just thank you for fruitfulness. And thank you, God. You're the only one that can produce that fruit. In Galatians, you talk about the fruit of the Spirit. It's your fruit in us. We don't produce it. You produce it in us and through us for the sake of others. And Lord, we ask for that fruit. Use us, God. Help us to grow. Help us to truly be followers of Jesus Christ. Not just converts, but disciples. 
us to grow. Christian, there's always something new for me to explore in the Bible. Really, there, there's really we, we can continue to grow. You don't ever, we should never plateau and feel like we've, we're there. We've done it. Passage I read just a couple weeks ago, you know, Paul striving, forgetting what was behind, pressing on. He was always striving. There was always something more to learn, meaning that there's room for growth in all of our lives. One of the neatest things about the Assemblies of God and, and, and most I think most evangelical churches is that you never graduate from Sunday school. You know, I went to a, I was raised in a very liberal church, wasn't a Bible-believing church, and they actually had a third-grade graduation from Sunday school. Can you imagine being done with Sunday school at third grade? you think they'd at least go through maybe high school. Third grade. And, I, and at that point, they gave us a Bible and we were done. Then we'd be in big people's church. But in our movement, you never graduate. Now, you can move to the next class as you get older, but you never graduate. You'll never get a certificate from us. Not till you go, well, if you go to heaven, you're not going to get a certificate from us either, but you will get to heaven. You'll have that end, that end goal. There's always some way for us to grow. So I, I hope you'll leave with that thought, that you can still grow. You can still learn more about God from the written word and from your relationship with him through his spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray, God, your blessing on each one of us. Lord, I pray that this message would resound in our hearts in the days ahead, Lord, that we would be challenged, that, that really there is more room for growth, that we can become more, spiritually more than we were yesterday. Lord, work in us, I pray, and help us to be fruitful for your glory. And now I pray your blessing on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless.